tomorrow i'm your host joshua tobolsky today on the podcast we discuss stonks games and game stonks i don't waste one minute let's get right into it ryan we're back hello hello my little investors we're back yes hello hello all you robin hoods well I mean, you're not Robin Hoods anymore. But, no, you're not. <laughs> but uh, okay, let me just say. So I'll, I'll set the stage because let's get right in. Let's get right into this. Okay, it's Thursday, uh, January 28th is when we're recording this. We are in the midst of the most, uh, 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 the most outrageous, most exciting moment in uh, Wall Street history. Now, I don't know about that, but we're in a big. <laughs> we're we're in the middle of a big moment in in Wall Street um, sort of chaos where. Uh, I probably don't have to tell Tony this because he knows, but there is a huge battle being waged right now between uh, retail investors or individual investors, the kind of people who use apps like Robinhood or E-Trade or whatever. There's a million of them and uh, and hedge funds. And essentially just to as far as I understand it, because I frankly don't understand it that much, but hedge funds um, will take a stock that they feel is is going to do poorly and they're, all, they're they're they essentially bet against it and they put a lot of money against that stock failing and then they make money on it when it fails. So uh one of those Yeah, it's it just in broad terms, they borrow stock from somebody, sell that stock at a high price, then rebuy the stock to return it to the person they borrowed it from at a lower price, making a profit. But it means that all of their incentives are to just tear companies apart through the press, through um, legal avenues, whatever strategies, other companies that they have influence over, whatever strategies they can exercise, they will sort of destroy or bet everything and heavily influence things against a company. And then, you know, a capital a venture, like a capital investment firm can come in, purchase up the pieces of that company. And because the company was undervalued because it got shorted, can then sell all those pieces off like they did to Toys R Us. Yeah. And that kind of practice adds nothing to society and takes money from poor people and gives it to rich people. So these retail investors realize that like when a retail investor invests, they're gambling. When a like big time investment hedge fund invests, they're manipulating the system so that they always win. Yeah, well, I mean, and, unsurprisingly, and, and people took it. At, people lost it over GameStop stock. <laughs> yeah, so so you know, not surprisingly, there's a group. There's a Reddit. Uh, there's a, a a Reddit called Wall Street Bets, and it's pretty. It's a pretty horrible. I mean, it's actually like a pretty horrible place. Like on a regular day. Oh like, yeah, I mean, it's right wing as hell. On a regular day, it's like not people that are very cool and have very good. Uh, personalities and say really offensive things and kind of suck because the reality is anybody who's like pursuing you know fame and fortune through the stock market is kind of like there's something wrong with them to begin with but um in my opinion in one man's that's one man's opinion uh who you know one man will be found dead soon um but the but 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 they decided that they were going to kind of stick it to the hedge funds who were shorting uh GameStop and and it worked 
you know insanely well. And so GameStop went from its shares went from like $18 a share or maybe even lower than that. And like as of yesterday, I mean, they peaked out at something like 350 something, I want to say. They were very, it was $350 a share or higher. Let's see what they were. No, I'm sorry, 469. They they were they peaked at 469 yesterday. I think they closed at uh uh I guess today it actually hit 469. Sorry, yesterday it peaked at yeah like 350. Yeah, everyone celebrated when it hit 420.69. So anyhow, the, the long and short of it is you're like, okay, wow. So so you basically have a group of people, these these individual retail investors saying we're going to push back on this shorting. So they push back in a couple of places, right? There's uh GameStop, AMC. Uh, the movie theater chain, uh, Nokia. They're all like very nerd, like Reddit brands. They're like beloved like BlackBerry, but, but Nokia, yeah, GameStop, and um, and uh, AMC. And they're just like you know the kind of stuff that Reddit people would be into buying. So they're kind of pushing back, and they have turned these stocks. I mean, now they've created enormous volatility, and they have over way way overvalued these companies. I mean, GameStop. I mean. People are like, well, it's not worth $350 a share. I mean, the market says for a short period of time, that's what it's worth. The reality is like that's a very inflated price probably historically for GameStop. But wait till you hear about Uber and Tesla. Well, no, no. I mean, but the reality is the reality is all of this is is fantasy. And it always has been. Astronaut meme. All of what a value of a company is, 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 is made up, right? Tesla isn't producing more and selling more cars than many other car companies so you know you would say well it shouldn't be worth more than what's the largest you know auto you know what is the largest american auto company i don't know who it is but they're GM? probably selling gm ford. or ford or whoever they're probably selling way more cars than tesla is but tesla is has a crazy valuation right now and a crazy stock price the this is about it is perception it is also about uh you know, playing the stock market, which is essentially a high-end gambling, but you're kind of like gaming out what a company might be, not just what it is at this moment, right? And so I think that, so so we could talk about how it's not real, but like what is real in the stock market, right? It is It is based on essentially a large-scale manipulation. And that is what hedge funds do, and that is what institutional investors do. And the reality is, is that there's a whole new element here and people are like oh it's trolling it's memeing or whatever but what it actually is is it's like it is like a collective right of independent investors deciding to do something as a collective right it's essentially collective action and and i'm not saying this is a socialist play but i will say that it has more in common with some of the foundational ideas of socialism than what hedge funds do okay well it's funny because all these right-wing people have i mean if you go to the accidentally leftist twitter account you'll see some examples are just like together we can demand that the rich provide us with equitable and it's like guys (laughs) i don't want to blow your mind but if you want to borrow my hammer and sickle i have them for the weekend yeah it's um it's it's truly like Okay, well, I mean, I actually was going to make this point that 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 this type of thing makes for very strange bedfellows, and in fact, that was just tweeted. Uh, uh, the the uh, guy, the barstool sports guy who sucks, Dave Ugh. Portnoy, who's like, a, seems to be an atrocious person, like just from a personality level. Yeah. Uh, who I I would say we probably I could probably don't have, and there's probably nobody on the planet who I have more 
uh, opposite opinions of when it comes to just about anything from what I've heard from him. He lands closer to the Dave Rubens of the world than he does yeah, the Joe he, Rogans on the asshole scale. He, he's like, I mean, he's like, yeah, he's like a Boston guy without without a single good opinion. But but in my in in my opinion. And yet he's and he, you know, people like AOC hate him and he hates AOC, you know. Uh he's a union, he's a union buster. He's all this stuff that's like just like really like, you know, it's just not cool at all. <laughs> like, but uh but weirdly, he's like retweeting AOC and he's like, you know, that, you know, whatever conflict makes strange bedfellows or whatever. And I'm like, I can't believe this situation has forced me into a position where I agree with stool presidente. You know, like this is what's going on. It's a very weird moment because what is essentially happening is like we all feel like we all feel like there is a there is a hand that manipulates the uh, economy that we see that we have no control over. And that is true. There are these. There are massive uh, uh, the, uh, uh, concentrations of wealth at things like hedge funds, where the very rich make money for the very rich, and that is a it is a a, a virtuous uh, s- cycle that happens only in a certain tier of humanity. Right. The rest of us are like working normal jobs, doing normal things. These people are like, I mean, the show Billions is fantasy, but it's not that far. Out I mean, of, there out is of a, fantasy. if I if I proposed to you, like there is a class of people for whom either they or their ancestors have have essentially achieved escape velocity from ever having to contribute anything to any society and in fact can be huge sucks of resources and luxury and whatever for generations and contribute literally nothing through just like a series of numbers written down and if i proposed that to you as like a way to run a first grade classroom you'd be like no that's not fair but when it comes to like the whole entire actual world that is the case like there is a small elite circle of people um jews no i'm just kidding um there's a small elite circle of lizards that together they can make the decisions that basically not only run society but like they decide who suffers and like what industries happen and if if for and because they were so deregulated if anyone for one second steps in and tries to do anything like they're doing, they cry foul and want to regulate it out of existence. And it's kind of, it's funny and ironic. And I think what it is, is it's it's revealing to the people who have the strange bedfellows who have a similar sense that the game is rigged and that there is a lot of exploitation happening and that things are unfair and that the system is really badly broken and then agree on nothing else about the world or how it should be fixed or like solutions or human psychology, but can agree that like things are really bad because they are and like wealth inequality is really bad. And if it takes fucking right wing Reddit to get banking regulations passed, I'm not going to like mourn banking regulations because i don't like right-wingers on reddit you know what i mean like right it, 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 it this is like a watershed moment i'm not going to tell anyone to put their money into this especially if you don't have money to play around with but um it's certainly it, it's certainly better use of your money than like the lotto or a bunch well, of other shit that they want us to <laughs> you're telling you're telling that to a man who spent a hundred dollars on mega millions tickets the other day <laughs> you know when the mega millions is a billion you got to go for it you never but know the thing is they want us to spend 
$30 to watch fucking a rental of Mulan. They want to pay us $15 an hour in 2025. But we're supposed to be okay with the fact that they got pissed. So now we're not allowed to own a stock. Like, yeah. well, it, it's, it's a little. Is, so the big, this is the big story of the day, right? Is that these apps, these apps like Robinhood and TD Ameritrade's app, and there's a handful of others have stopped. Stash. They've stopped letting people trade the stocks. They've just said we're not going to let you trade. We're not if you're a, if you're a individual retail investor, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to trade it, which is insane. I mean, it's insane. It is like it 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 is like so clearly somebody putting their 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 finger on the on the on the scale. You know, their thumb well, the on the scale. Well, the way that it works is that hedge funds like the the when Robinhood makes a purchase for you, it. It puts all everyone's purchases in bulk so it can get a slight discount. Then it sells it to you at the normal price, and that cut is how Robinhood makes its money. But that means that it is invested in being able to bundle those things together and keep other like financial institutions happy. And so like you'll never beat like Robinhood is a fine way to get a tiny slice of other people's winnings, like a super small slice, yeah, a, a, a tiny version for yourself, but you'll never beat Robinhood is part of the casino. Right. Like you're never going to beat the, house. the casino. They are yes. the house. No, what's what's crazy is what's crazy, but you know what's really offensive is that Robinhood has sold itself. And I mean, I literally tweeted this today, but they're like, our time is now. We're all investors. There used to be this. <laughs> there used to be this system, and we've got to smash it, and we've got to, you know, break the cycle and let individuals have the power. And it's like, okay, well, here it is. These people on on Reddit, whether you agree or disagree with them, are not. A secret cabal operating behind closed doors doing whatever the fuck they want if they've made it very clear what they're doing and people have the free will in a free market to buy or sell what they want, right? Like the, you, people talk about – you know, it's crazy. The, you these, these fucking Republicans out here talking about being muzzled, you know? But the, but the real shit that's going down is that like Robin Hood, this app propped up by billionaire investors backed by hedge funds – purports to be a tool of the proletariat to uh, enter the free market and make some money for themselves. And it actually is just another way uh, for, for, the, for the, the ruling class to control the conversation. And it's like, th this is, you want to talk about muzzling. Here they are. They're like, oh, you guys are, you're doing too well. We're just going to stop you. And, and the stocks have plummeted. I mean, they did it. They basically did it. They got what they wanted, right? They said the, the the hedge fund said you need to make this stop because we're losing our asses, and it stopped. And now the people who invested money in it, you could say they were being unrealistic, but what's more, what's so unrealistic about it? If the if the if the investment is there and the hype is there, and it's sustainable because people continue to put money or hold their investments, then it is what it is. As my man Trump was fond of saying uh remember him funny funny how he just disappeared and i never think about him anymore <laughs> i tweeted the uh, other day i tweeted today actually don't you think he's probably so jealous of this whole situation because it's not about him <laughs> oh my god no i mean yeah he's jealous that he that he like it's something else is getting press yeah i think it's um i think uh anyhow the, so it's an outrage and it is and, and and I'll be honest with you, Robin Hood. I don't see how Robin Hood recovers from this as a business. If I no, were uh, if I, if I were an individual, I mean, they literally took a shit 
on the probably the most active user base in existence for their app. I mean, this, I would imagine the percentage of Robinhood users that crosses over with the people who are making these GameStop plays is very high. I'll bet it's plus 50%. And there's no analogy. There's no fucking analogy. It's like, it's like, you know, when you get in a car, I was, I was talking about this on Twitter or something. It's like, you know, you can say, I mean, the, you can make the argument we're trying to protect investors and we're, we want to, you know, reduce risk for inexperienced investors who may be caught up in this. It's like, totally forget it. You can tell them, you can lay it out for them. You can have a roadblock message when they open the app. It's like, here's what's going on and here's the risk. As long as you tell them the risk and they're willing to put their money in, like you've done your work, you know, it's like you get in a car. And you've got to wear a seatbelt. There's a law. Like, you got to wear a seatbelt, okay? You can't just drive around without a seatbelt. But you can drive, and you might drive into a wall because, like, maybe you're not a great driver or maybe you're trying to kill yourself. And, like, the reality is we accept the risk. We know that people are going to drive. And we say, well, some people are going to die when they drive. But, like, we've done as much as we can to warn them and tell them and give them, like, some some regulations about how to do it. Supposedly, the stock market is filled with regulations we were it's regulated all over the place right it seems to be regulated more for independent individual investors than it is for the fucking hedge funds and for the institutional investors and like it's you know this is an imbalance that 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 frankly just cracks open this myth of capitalism that like anyone can win if you have the you know if you've got the guts if you've got what it takes if you've got if you're willing to risk it all it's like well these people are risking it all and the free market, the free market of capitalism is telling them, we won't let you. The, the quote unquote free market is saying, no, sorry. So, sorry, we, when we said anyone can win, we didn't mean anyone. You know, like we didn't mean you. We meant people like us. So this is, it's like, I think more than anything at the fundamental, at the basis of this, at the foundational level of this, this, is a, this should be a wake up call for a lot of people. That even if you do it the way they want you to, even if you play in their system and you give them your money to play their game, to, to, be, to invest in their, in their lottery, and you end up winning, they will shut it down. They will they stop you from doing rob it. rob you. There is no wealth at the level of a billionaire. At a level, honestly, of a hundred millionaire, there is no wealth creation without utter exploitation. And at the end of the day... Any financial system that promises you it can make money out of nothing or that, you know, through obfuscation and, 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 and confusing, um, uh, quote unquote, systems and names that they can make your money triple or quadruple, they're not – you're not – the audience to whom that that's true. That's true to the people at the top of the pyramid scheme. You are the people who are the Ponzi scheme. You are the people who fall for the Ponzi scheme. Like, and it, it, it in no world will they allow you anything but that position. Like, it, it, you can have Robinhood app in a totally normal time. You will never get the same rate of return as the wealthy get. And retail investors and regular people have to pay capital gains tax. The rich do not have to pay capital gains tax. We're not allowed to um, uh, just decide to call up our buddies who run the app and tell them what stocks are and aren't allowed to be sold. Like if things tomorrow go back to quote unquote normal for the like what the Trump administration considered normal, we're still in a financial situation where um, 
the stock market has been completely decoupled from like day-to-day life. It has been completely decoupled from like actual prosperity or life expectancy or any of the goals we purport to have as like a society. And I don't think I, I, my whole point to say, I don't think people unknow that. I think people have been sitting around pissed off. The government can't get it together to print them some $2,000 checks so that they don't get evicted. And now a bunch of people who are right wing, who have supported all of this, who were thrilled with market deregulation and all this shit, tried to do their own version of what they're like fucking the the boots that they lick do every single day. And they got stomped down. And I don't think people are going to forget that, that, that they just got stomped down. I mean, this is a result of rage from the 2008 financial crisis. What, you know what's going to happen when you piss these people off even more like yes this is the end of robin hood but what happens when there's like an anonymous or a, a like a reddit forum that just decides every day to just cause chaos i mean yeah. there are people who are perfectly fine putting 20 dollars a day towards a financial war on the rich and they should be and uh, unless we get back to a world where investing literally matches what our priorities are as a society or even what is working to make money yeah i mean it's it's i mean the reality is that you know this is going to become i mean what are they going to do like it's it, is it going to be regulation that changes it i mean this is going to be i mean how do you regulate this how do you regulate you know what you can't have people gather in open public forums and talk about stocks they want to trade like you know, it's like I, at some point you just cross you, you cross a threshold where uh, it doesn't it kind of doesn't make sense anymore. You know that that you've got to just let it be what it is. And if the market is headed in this direction, if the market is headed to a place where uh, you know in, individual investors will be able to join together and uh, make stock moves, like significant stock moves, like then. Maybe that's what the market's like now, and maybe hedge funds need to uh, adjust to it or understand it, or maybe they need to. Maybe hedge funds hedge funds need to die in some way because maybe they're not healthy. I mean, maybe this whole thing isn't healthy. You know, I think it's like I don't know. I I I I think this is just again. I, I think it foundationally exposes like some some real uh, uh, something really broken about our our financial system, and 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 it is. It is it is broken in the sense that that frankly it's broken that this can happen, that you know that 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 a group of people can drive a stock that has been eighteen dollars a share or twenty dollars a share historically to three hundred dollars a share. That's that's something that's broken about the system, and the fact that 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 these hedge funds can manipulate the 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 share prices and then stop or halt. Uh, through their, you know, through their networks, halt the the other part of it happening. This independent, you know, investors part happening is also a broken part of it. The, the hedge fund part of it is broken. It's like, what do you do with it? I mean, what do you do with a system that's built on the creation uh, uh, of wealth for a very small amount of people in the world? You know, you, you hear people say, "Well, you know, this is four hundred one k's, and this is, you know, this money is they manage other people's money." And it's like, well, you know, th- maybe this is not. Maybe this is not the way to do it then. If it's this susceptible to disruption, then maybe this is not the right place to put your Or maybe we just need to lay down some fucking basic ground rules. I mean, like, look at the major financial collapses that have happened 
throughout time, but specifically look at 2008. I mean, it's when you create a system where it's high, more and more risk and more and more bets, and it's a house of cards that could fall down at any point if anyone blinks, like, I get you made a lot of money in the short term, but for all of us, that is bad. And we shouldn't let you do it. Like you're not, you should not be allowed to dismantle companies and sell them for parts. This needs to result in some kind of actionable change. Like we have to, all of these pissed off people, please don't turn your attention to Sears or whatever next. Turn your attention to your representatives and turn your attention to organizations that have been trying to fight for financial reform for a long time and put your effort and your voice and your money behind them. Because if that, if, if we were to change the rules and make it so that like long-term investments actually were safe and actually couldn't be exploited and actually weren't like a huge trick on small investors, like we would have a society where like I'm not saying that uh, capitalism works or that the American dream is is going to work out for everybody. We would have a society where you were more likely to be able to put money in the stock market long term, like your 401k, and not have it disappear overnight because some guy thought he would do a bet based on a mortgage that was sold to a 22-year-old meth head who had nothing to put down and no, like, identification. Right. Like, you know, like, we wouldn't have live in a world where that, where, where, my, where, like, you know, my brother who makes uh, X amount of money, not a lot, a year as a college student, maybe he makes like $25,000 at his part-time job, can get a mortgage. Like, that was the world we were living in for. Like, they were handing out credit cards on college campuses. And like, if we can get, if we remove that and we create some sort of like basic regulations around these things, basic like uh, uh, guardrails in place to say like, hey, you can't like purposefully manipulate and screw people in a Ponzi scheme dressed up as something else. Um, we will, it would be better if we lived in a world where like everybody was invested in the success of American businesses rather than a small group of people are highly invested in the failure of America. And yeah. those are also like the most powerful people in the world. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I want to find a reality or like a path forward in which, we aren't completely screwed. And I don't mean that from a nationalist standpoint. I mean like democracy and like the idea of um, regular people, like the middle class, <laughs> um, regular people having healthy, normal, satisfying lives. Like I don't know what the path forward is at the moment, but I hope that this side of like level of outrage at least doesn't um, dissipate and doesn't like get I, my worry is that it all gets focused on some scapegoat that would be the yeah. best thing right like if we all got pissed at one hedge fund or if we all like bought one well, no stock. I mean that's the easy that's the easy thing right yeah it's so I mean, easy to yeah. hate Martin Shkreli and not yeah. take on like big pharma companies that are doing exactly what he did we gotta, hate, the whole, we gotta hate all the Shkreli's not just yeah. Martin you know Tony Shkreli Bobby Shkreli <laughs> Vince Shkreli Tina, Shkreli. Tina Shkreli. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but anyhow, they're out there and we got to stop them. Um, but at any rate, okay, so listen, all right, that's that's so that's what's going on in the world of high finance. Uh, we spent a lot <laughs> of time. For people who didn't think about it one week ago. <laughs> yeah, for from people who were not, I was not actively thinking about talking about or interested in what was going on with the GameStop stock. I mean, I was like, yeah, GameStop. I mean, I get it, right? Like, it's not doing well. And I do think, to be clear, there's real reasons why GameStop is not doing well. Uh, okay, the pandemic obviously has hurt 
so many millions of businesses. Yeah. I mean, right? there's and, not a lot of foot and, traffic, and and hundreds of millions, billions of people are affected by the by the by the pandemic. Okay, yeah, the foot traffic is one thing. GameStop had other problems too. Totally fine. I mean, fifty okay. percent of all consoles sold do not have drives for the discs that GameStop sells. Right. So GameStop's model has problems, but that doesn't necessarily mean GameStop should go out of business. But it also doesn't necessarily mean GameStop shouldn't go out of business. And so, anyhow, the market is speaking, and we're all listening, and nobody knows what's going on. And I think that's why I say dump all your money, every last cent you have, into Kmart. I say, well, you know, I've heard worse ideas, honestly, and, and frankly, I've heard worse ideas in the last 20 hours, um, 20 minutes. Um, okay, so anyhow, then there's other stuff going on. Can I talk yeah. about my new Galaxy S21? Yes, please tell us Ultra about 5G. So I got to say, I love this phone. I, I got to say, Samsung has, oh, I think, basically, well, there's still, like, Samsung's, like, Samsung is very Windows, and, like, their phones are very Windows in the sense that... Um, they have so much going on. You're kind of like, wow, there's a lot going on here, you know? Um, I do think it's a really elegant phone. The camera seem fucking amazing. The zoom is crazy, like really, really good. Um, I do think like photo quality is, if not as good, maybe better in some cases than the new iPhone. Uh, and I got to tell you, I got the buds. They sound incredible. They sound fantastic. They sound so good. They sound so good and they fit better than Apple's earbuds and they have so many more options for like controlling their sound than the compared to the AirPods Pro and they're like $70 cheaper or something. Um, I This is – it's good stuff and I'm like if I can get one of these apps that does like – that properly does like I have AirMessage uh, working but uh, – the the uh sorry hold on a second i get distracted by something what was i saying what did i just say oh right uh sorry so you know i'm tr i'm trying to figure out the messaging situation because i you know i've been using air message which is a it's a it's an app that uses your essentially a, an always on mac as a server to route your message your i messages to a phone and it works pretty well, except the setup is very complicated and, like, you have to do all this stuff with, like, a router and you have to open a port. They have a cloud version now, which I haven't tried yet because it's, it's still in beta. Um, but the cloud version basically lets you use it in a browser. It lets you use it um, uh, on any other computer and it lets you route it to your phone without having to do this complicated setup. Uh, and it's all encrypted and end encrypted. Um, which is really interesting. And then there's this new app from the, the guy who made the Pebble Watch called Beeper, which does the same thing. And in fact, he's like, I mean, I've talked about this on the last podcast. I can't remember, but he's selling, I mean, as part of the service, they're basically giving people, if they don't have a server they can use, they're giving people like refurbished iPhone 4Ss with, um, that are jailbroken to be able to act as like these intermediary devices between an Android or a Windows, um, uh, uh, you know, system and and iMessage. That's really like you know that's the big one, right? Like the big one is the iMessage stuff. And if they, if somebody can get that right, and honestly, it seems like we're on the precipice of of things that Apple would have trouble, I think, really trouble preventing, which is essentially you using a part of your iMessage chain as a kind of sender to another device. I mean, I do think it's like I I feel like this is. I mean, honestly, using Android for a couple of days 
instead of iOS for things is just like, you know, it's like a breath of fresh air. It just make it works so much better to do so many basic things, like really simple things that iOS makes complicated. Android has solved like copying things, you know, just basically like copying stuff and pasting it into other things, you know, telling Twitter you want to open in a browser instead of in their internal browser, like little things that actually do affect your day-to-day workflow. I know this is old news for most people, and I've talked about this a billion times, and I probably, you know, it's like every six months I'm like, oh, yeah, Android. I'm back on Android. It's been a while, actually. I mean, I will say it It. it I will. It continues to be uh, the fact that the differences between Android and the most recent versions of iOS are increasingly non-existent. And the real differentiator is stuff like iMessage or integration with Apple TV, which at this point I can take or leave. Uh, but I will say Samsung did a, a really nice job with these devices. The build quality is tremendous. And, you know, I think, I mean, phones at this point, you know, everybody has a phone. They're all basically the same. It's really not that big of a deal. But I will say that I think that, you know, they're, they, it's, it, they've become a very viable alternative. This phone is a very viable alternative to an iPhone. And honestly, if I if I had a if I had a non iMessage family situation, like I wouldn't I wouldn't even give the the iPhone a second glance. I mean, but <laughs> we live in a society. I have a family. So anyway, that's my that's my you know short review of the shit. The, I mean, the reality is there's a lot more to say, but it, you know it's a phone at the end of the day. It doesn't Every really matter. Every six months you switch platforms, and guess what? They're always they they they're the inherent limitations of the, these platforms are becoming like clear. Phones especially are more and more of an appliance in my life, at least. Yeah. And I have the more I switch between Android and iPhone, the more I'm like, yeah, there's little things I I, I prefer, and like I definitely have uses for my Android phone that my iPhone doesn't have. Um, and I definitely like certain things about my iPhone that my Android phone like does like in the worst way possible. But at the end of the day, like we're reaching a parody of like Mac OS and Windows where it's like, uh, yeah, you have to readjust a few things, but it's the same fucking thing. And, yeah. and no, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's hard to imagine how Samsung like or anybody breaks through essentially what is like your product is ubiquitous and doesn't need to be improved. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> it's 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 uh, it I is guess like, you can start selling cars. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it is very it is very much. I mean, it's interesting. It's very much like everything. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but like everything wants you to be part of their ecosystem. And Samsung has all this stuff that's kind of like. Oh God, Samsung is relentless. It's Samsung relentless. is like, please join our app and use our theme and get these reward points and watch our ads and let us have your location data. Like they yeah, just, they it, don't it, want, they want you to be in the Samsung world, not in Google's world. It's very inconvenient to them that they have to even have any like <laughs> Google features at all. No, for sure. But to that point, it also is like kind of pushed to the background a lot more in the new phone. Oh, is it? And, uh, to some degree, it's easier to it's easier to just be like, nope. You know, like it's easier to just say, yeah, I'm not going to do any of this Bixby stuff. You can turn a lot of it off, um, and you can turn a lot of it off, and also you can, you know, it's like their apps are also like they have a calendar app, and like you know, it's very similar to the 
to the Google Calendar app. At this point, there's really no difference. It doesn't matter. It's basically a slightly reskinned Google Calendar app. So it's little things like that that used to be annoying because the Google Calendar app was actually better and faster uh, is now they're now kind of like it doesn't matter. And I think so. It's yeah. I mean, the setup for me it was very fast, and also it just was not. Uh, it, it, the Samsung stuff really doesn't rear its head as much. I mean, they don't, they don't really try to for, at least in my experience, uh, it didn't, it wasn't like, you know, go into our app store and download all of our apps and use all of our, you know, weird services. And you've got to sign up for this. And, you know, I have a Samsung account at this point because I've owned like 25 Samsung phones. Um, and you know, I, I think it, it, they definitely have gotten the message, I think, that people aren't really using – that Samsung, at least in the U.S., their stuff is not really – People are ecosystem. clamoring to Samsung pay. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing I should say that is notable that I kind of was like struck by is the phone is very narrow. I mean I think the screen is actually – in terms of the – and I haven't done like a huge you know, breakdown of this. You know, The iPhone is wide. It's it's really wide, like wider than I remember. That like I guess I kind of I haven't compared it to another phone in a while. Yeah, it's and a, I have it's a thick chunky boy. And I and I have the Galaxy Note Ten Plus or whatever, which is which is like it is the same size as the S twenty one Ultra, but it's a little bit wider. It's like iPhone width, but the height of the S twenty one Plus. But like it's 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 probably it's a little bit wider than the iPhone. But so this compared to the iPhone 12 Pro Max, these names, by the way, are absolutely garbage. Trash. I mean, it's so bad. But it's 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 by comparison, it is a much skinnier phone, which I find interesting. It feels weird in my hand to hold, which is crazy to say because it's massive. But it's almost like it's too skinny. But I can like reach to the other side of the screen much more easily than I can on my iPhone, which is a, just an interesting. Um, sort of ergonomic question that they seem to be answering in a way that, you know, for the, in, in some ways they've, they've got a better answer than what Apple's doing. I mean, it's like they, they've given themselves over to the possibility that the shape of the screen is not going to be so uniform. And it like has made for a very, you know, different feeling form factor. But anyhow, the long and short of it is like, yeah, I mean, it's also just, it is exactly what you mentioned before. It is a gateway to stuff. An appliance is a good way to put it, and in fact, there's some new there's some new studies out that people aren't upgrading their phones as much as they used to because the reality is like they've all reached parity, and like the last version of the iPhone is not that is really not that different than the new version of the iPhone, and the same goes for the Samsung devices. Um, anyhow, it's nice to change it up once in a while. I have so many. I I am now like balancing between so many things, partially because I'm working from home, partially because I'm bored, and so I have a lot of like. I'm like always like on a different computer just to like mix it up. I have, but I have like two PCs that I use. No, sorry, three PCs that I use on a regular basis. My MacBook. Now I have. I'm using two phones on a regular basis. An iPad, and I just got a PS5. And I the other day I bought an Xbox Series X for reasons that I still don't fully understand. To be honest with you, <laughs> like I was like I should get one. I think it was maybe because you were doing the medium review which we can talk about a little bit yeah i want to talk about i that I, I want to and i want to hear about it but you were doing the medium review and it was like you were like it's an exclusive an, X, an xbox exclusive i'm like oh shit i better get an xbox <laughs> to play this game anyhow the game doesn't sound like it's that great but uh but yeah i've got too many just too many platforms 
I get too much stuff. That's why I, w- I was saying before we started rolling, we need to go back to an agrarian society where it's just like everything's the barter system. There's no devices. And also, uh, I don't I know. I mean, there used to be a time when like a video game meant a cartridge for the NES. And now it's like, are you streaming it? And which streaming platform are you using? Oh, you're not? Oh, then is it on your computer or your P- and is that computer a PC, a Linux, or a Mac? Oh, it, it's none of those? Oh, then it's a console. Is it the PlayStation, the Xbox? Well, which version of the Xbox? The Xbox One yeah, or the Xbox crazy. Series? And yet you're just like, it's so complicated at this point. And there's so many different ways to like, like, <laughs> if you want to play The Witcher 3 right now, you can play it on um, your Tesla because <laughs> apparently the new yeah, Tesla I, yeah, has I, a 10 teraflop gaming computer in it. This one I don't fully understand, I'll be honest with you. I'm somewhat perplexed. The Tesla now can play Witcher 3. I mean, the Witcher 3 is a complicated game. Like, are you supposed to have a controller for that? I think you're supposed to, like, park and then play the Witcher yeah, 3 while like, your car on, on charges. The, on a, on a touch screen? I know, I get that. You can't play it. You can't play it, like, you can't play it uh, while you're driving. Right. Mm-mm. No, I'm I'm saying I, you can't. But no, but even a passenger, I don't think they allow you to. No, no, that's right. But I'm saying, but like, what are you supposed to play it with? Like, The Witcher is a complicated game. There's no mobile version of it. It's just a touchscreen. Like, do you play it with the steering wheel? Like, what? Oh, I would <laughs> think that you'd like pair like an yeah Xbox a controller. controller. Is that the idea? I don't. And then know. that stays in the glove box. Do you I don't have know. a glove box? Uh, yes, there's a glove box. There's a you have to use a virtual button to open it on the Model Three. Oh, it's, amazing. It's, it's amazing. Let me see. Let me actually take. I'm looking right now at the new model, the new Model S. Let me check it out. It has a crazy steering wheel. Oh God, I know. It has a steering wheel that isn't circular, which I I, I think is really cool looking. But in day to day life, I'm almost certain this steering wheel will be very hard to use, and people will crash because of it. I'm just worried, frankly, about giving my car to a valet at some point. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, listen. Oh, they do have a rear. They have a rear screen in the in the new S. That's mm. interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I I say I'll say this. I'll never buy a sedan again. I don't think. I like one thing I learned as a Model Three owner is that uh, it's very hard for me to get into. I'm six foot four, and it's very low to the ground. And I I believe I like exacerbated my a knee injury I had that from riding a bike. By getting in and out of the car, or the the car injured my knee in the bike, like was the straw that broke the camel's back. Anyhow, this is a personal <laughs> tale we don't all need to listen to. But the point is, I will not be buying a I will not be buying a Model S, no matter how weird the steering wheel is. Uh, but we were talking about Xbox, the Xbox game, the Medium. Can you talk yes. about this? Let's talk about this. Uh huh. So the Medium uh, is it's not a bad game. I wouldn't say it's you know. Uh, uh, but like too buggy to be played or the story is offensive or the gameplay doesn't work like it's fine it's just it's a very short very pretty very shallow game that's closer to like a walking simulator like a gone home than it is to even like a life is strange or like until dawn like you really there is no player choice happening um it, it 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 doesn't it insinuates a lot of things happening off screen that are huge issues. Like it, you know, it insinuates that there's a genocide. It insinuates that there's a pedophile. Um, 
but you don't actually see anything or really ultimately any consequences further than our main character telling you she's sad. Um, and mm, a lot of sounds, the like, good. a lot of the like stealth sections of the game don't take advantage of the fact that you're in two worlds. Like, so, okay. If you're not clear on what the game is about, it's, um, it's about a woman who is a medium, uh, which means that she can see the other side or like the other worlds, like the supernatural one underneath this one. And she can inhabit both of them at the same time. And like she has certain powers because of that. Like she can leave her body and go through the spirit world temporarily. Or, um, you know, she can uh, relive memories that have been left a lot uh, uh, like behind in the spirit world. Um but all of these mechanics and these powers don't end up being like used in combination. So there's like all these stealth sections against an invisible enemy. Um, but you don't really use the fact that you can be in both worlds or that like like to trick it or something. You, you just sort of like have to learn which direction of the room to wait in while it walks past you. Um, and that's not like fun gameplay, right? But mm, the reason that the whole fun. game the reason the whole game is very interesting is, and the reason I want to talk about it is that. It is a game whose core mechanic only can exist because of the next-gen consoles. Like, the MVME um, SSD drive that's in the Xbox Series S and X make it so that you can pop in and out of both worlds pretty instantly. And so that you can jump between, um, like, picking up an object and opening that object in your menu over to a completely different world and picking up a different object and, like triggering a different cutscene all instantly without like loading times um, or like you die and it can load both those worlds simultaneously like for you to come back and try again. Um, and that is interesting because like that's a, that's an actual, that's an actual concept or an actual like uh, a mechanic. That's an actual like core idea that wasn't possible until now. And that's always cool when you see something like, like Super Mario 64 was sort of like this. I'm not saying this is on the level of Super Mario 64, but it was sort of like this where you were like, oh, a 3D Mario game, like you can jump on different platforms and like move in any direction. Like that wasn't possible until we had 3D technology. And so that is something worth mentioning. And this is this idea of like, being able to render multiple worlds at once or like cutting down load screens between rendering worlds is will also come into play with for Sony's next big exclusive, which is Ratchet and Clank. Um, and that has a whole like next dimension gimmick. Um, yeah. And so I wonder if we're about to be on the, <laughs> on the edge, on the portal, we're, we're crossing the threshold into a bunch of games that have this theme simply because it is an easy trick that these consoles can pull off yeah, that they I couldn't mean, before. The thing I, the thing that I thought was, mo and I haven't, it's funny because in my PC, I have an NVMe and like, so I have cyberpunk on it and, and it loads very fast. There's no loading in cyberpunk, really very, very little. There's like the occasional loading very, I mean, very, very occasionally, like I think in like major cutscenes, maybe not even the, but even getting into the game is like, you know, under, I don't know, 30 seconds, 15 seconds from like, if I go from like, it's under 30 seconds from like start, like this game has booted up and you're in the option screen at the beginning to I'm playing the game. It's probably 30 seconds or less, which is really fast. Yeah. I mean, I can think of some of my most annoying experiences in game playing is like uh, waiting for things to reload. Control is a game that I basically stopped playing on my, uh, 
on my PS4 because it was like the load times when you died were so long to get back into a fight that would last for two minutes, then you die again. I was like, this is just stupid, you know? Um, and so I think, uh, I think like that's a huge, it is a huge deal, but the, I, I think what I thought was interesting about the concept of this, like kind of the ability to load huge amounts of data quickly um is the idea that you could have an open world and i think cyberpunk kind of does this you could have an open world that basically there's never a cutscene. there's never a, there's never a load time it's always like you know your uh you could have an, a, an endlessly an endless open world essentially yeah like the Sp spider-man miles morales approaches this yeah. um on ps5 but i i mean that's all fascinating but the other aspect of the game that i think is super notable is that like it didn't it doesn't need to be the best game of all time and it doesn't need to be 60 hours long and it doesn't need to execute everything perfectly because it's launching on game pass and people have already paid for it so and if you don't like it, you can go play something else. Um, right. And I think it's the first of a series of games that I think Microsoft wants to make, which is taking an idea that would have ended up being an indie project that couldn't get funding or would be underfunded or would never get made, make it on a small scale. It doesn't need to be a long game. It can be a eight to 10 hour experience. Um, take a chance, throw it out there. If it does well, amazing, because then you can make sequels and like it, it, it'll attract people to your subscription service. If not... The people that you're you've hired to make your games now know you now know who can do what and like how to improve and how to tell a better story next time and they're basically creating like a fully funded. It's like a TV network more than it is like a movie studio, which is what game games were before this. Like all games, basically for all of history, have been released like albums or movies. Um, and each one needed to be a hit. And you had some user buy-in because they had they get the console, but you didn't necessarily just because someone owned a ps3 didn't mean they were going to buy god of war right. um and nowadays it, it, with microsoft's whole new vision it, it means that they can be like television and if this show doesn't work they can cancel it they don't have to make six more of the mediums and stick them all together to sell you a 60 hour game they don't right. have to make six more of the mediums at all or they can say this worked and this didn't like we want to retool and do a reboot like they can basically run this like a television studio and the medium being unsuccessful is sort of more interesting than if it was wildly successful and like a great game because now we get to see how they'll deal with failure in this new economic ecosystem and like the xbox brand is going it has been making more and more money this year and their game pass like the budget that they have with game pass is just insanity so i'm excited because like sure this one weird polish concept game made off of the art of a surrealist po Polish painter about inter-Poland politics didn't end up resonating with me. I can't imagine why. Um, but maybe maybe the next weird one-off project that would have never gotten funded will resonate with me. And all Microsoft needs is to have something released in the next few months that resonates with me to keep me like to keep that value proposition as a subscriber, which yeah. means they can make like, you know, they can make six of the mediums for the price of one huge game 
and all of them can be targeted at different audiences and all of them can have experimental features and you can get the data back on what worked and what didn't and what players enjoyed and because it's downloadable and it's like a, a, a subscription service you get all the data of like what parts did they fast forward when did everybody save and go to bed and it means you can continue to use that to like inform your content choices and does this make for perfect art like obviously no but it makes for a very successful business which is something i think you can prove just with the existence of like netflix yeah. like th they just take all that data and then make decisions of which characters to kill off um and it doesn't mean it makes perfect art but it does make like a lot of content and it's very dependable content and it means that like microsoft can launch at least something every month that's interesting to you um and that you've already paid for and then now suddenly Sony has to compete with that. You have to give me a really compelling reason why I need to go spend $70 on a PS5 game when I paid $15 this month for Game Pass and I'm not out of things to play yet. Um, and yeah. so I think it's really interesting. And so the game itself, like I'm not going to say like run out. If you enjoyed Layers of Fear or Until Dawn, if those are the kind of atmospheric storytelling, like um, sometimes it, it feels more like reading a book than it does like, um, playing a game if that's something that you're into like telltale games you probably will enjoy this good enough you know it's a solid you know it's a solid b plus in that genre um but it's not a great game and i wouldn't say seek it out but it is definitely emblematic of the stuff that we're going to get and uh, you know i i for one can't wait for the next few years um for microsoft because even if they just come, I mean, even if people end up playing them on the PC, like Microsoft doesn't care or in the cloud, Microsoft doesn't care. And I, it just means we're going to get so much content and so many weird ideas like this. I yeah. hope that like people who never got to tell stories are able to use the system because like Netflix is certainly not perfect. They have diversity issues up the wazoo and obviously all of Hollywood is run on nepotism, but you get a lot more interesting and weird one-off stories from Netflix than you ever got from ABC television networks. And so you know, I'm excited about this. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't tell you to run out and get the game, but I can definitely tell you to run out and get Game Pass because also the best feeling is that if I do tell you to play the game, worst case scenario, you just wasted time downloading it. You could just yeah. delete it if you don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, two things. I mean, one is, I think this is, I think you're right on. I think, I actually think the whole, yeah, the whole conception of how we get, it's funny because Laura and I were talking today about, GameStop and she's like, Do you buy she's like, you don't buy games anymore, do you? Like like physical games? I'm like, no. Like it just doesn't make sense. I was like, I guess like and I have like I'm literally like right now I'm looking at a crate in my office that is filled bottom to top with Xbox games. Like I mean my my the entire Xbox area under my bed is packed from edge to edge with video game stuff. And I know it makes sense. Like I know it made sense then, but now it's like the reality is like I'm not gonna resell the game to GameStop. Nope. And like most I mean, at some point where no one's gonna be buying it's like it's like music. It's like we're not gonna be buying CDs there or vinyl. There are compelling I mean, reasons to purchase your favorite things on vinyl. There are compelling reasons yes. for it to exist. But and, in and, regular day-to-day -day life, Apple Music works fine. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? And I thought it would be really cool to buy the special edition Fallout, you know, 4 or whatever with the arm thing with the Pip-Boy that you put on your arm. Oh, yeah. And I spent, like, a bunch of money on it. And you know what? It's sitting – I'm also looking at that box. No, I put it in storage. It's collecting dust in a storage unit somewhere right we now. We listed on the site an $1,800 package to buy Resident Evil Village, and you yeah. get, a, like, a duster with and it. That's and cool, <laughs> but it's not like – but, you know, the thing about vinyl is, like, there's a legitimate – there's a legitimate Use. connection between 
vinyl. It's like if you love music and uh, you're, you know, a collector and you have a favorite record and it's like. But it's um, a physical printing of that thing. It's like a book. It's like a hard book. It will always exist as long as it doesn't burn. Whereas like discs, CDs, CDs do not have the cachet that vinyl does. I mean, maybe in an ironic sense, but nobody is like, it's better for this digital data instead of being on a hard drive for this digital data to be on this tiny, shiny piece of plastic. Yeah. Like it's like it doesn't it's like, I still buy them for the for the for the stuff. Right. Like, I like so it's the not like you can thing. buy a game. It's not like you can buy a game like the game somehow is like higher fidelity, you know, because you have the C D or whatever. So anyhow, not to get but to get but to so yes. So the so we're already in this evolving moment of I mean think about the DLC. And the DLC has become a massive part i mean look at grand theft auto grand yeah. theft auto has a game that is a game that came out what grand theft auto came out uh, five came out in what year 2013 it it's still like i i started playing it again i've been playing on my ps5 i bought a version or i got a free version for epic for my pc i started playing it on my pc i got a version for my for my ps4 i been had been playing for a while and then I, and I actually think I bought a version for my Xbox as well. Prior I have a to version that. of GTA Five, just like Skyrim. It's for crazy. Everything but 3DS. It's crazy. <laughs> and then, and then, but then, and then I started playing on my PS Five, and I'm like, whoa! Like these graphics are like way better than they were in the version that I was just playing on my PS Four. And I guess it's the PS4 Pro I mean, version the PS3 or whatever. PS3 was the original release for that game. Yeah, it's crazy. But like, but you look at what's happened with DLC and with on with the community aspect of it and GTA Online, and it's like it's it's like that game in another era would have been gone and forgotten after the first year. That would have been it. And now it's like, well, that's not how the like, games don't have to be the way they used to be and they don't have to be the way everything else is either like i think the idea of doing games as seasons which we've seen people do the idea of doing well it's uh, games games as a service games as a platform games as a but i think like as much as all of that is 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 definitely like fascinating and changes the state of things i think even more than that is that like games as the collection as like the library of like microsoft is now incentivized to make sure all of the games they release to Game Pass that that can are maintained and available yeah. and upgraded occasionally when 8K becomes the thing. You know, like they have an incentive to go back and if if you want to play the medium in 15 years, have it available to paying subscribers. Why not? Yeah. You know, it's just running it on DirectX. Like it 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 it'll be fine. No. Um, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a really cool concept. I mean, I think, but it's also, I mean, it just falls in line with all this other stuff, which is like, you know, I mean, we're we're also doing, you know, we're also doing, um, these like remasters, which are completely, you know, it's a completely new idea, uh, like the idea that you would take an old game and you remaster it, and suddenly it's actually really a whole new thing or even know? like completely reimagine like what the game is like uh, like like for example the resident evil games like the remake of two is not the same game as resident evil 2 like even the remaster quote-unquote of crash bandicoot trilogy is subtly different it's not like they just put new assets and textures in there like yeah. or even new character models like they are it is recoded from like scratch um and i think yeah, like that idea of like, I don't. 
I've always just been frustrated because every single kid grows up and plays and 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 watches The Wizard of Oz. And like I think that every kid should probably play The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time before they pick up like Breath of the Wild. And I think like that's a it, it, maybe they don't want to. They want to jump right in. That's fine. But that should be like an option to them. And I don't I mean I had one of our writers who is tech who is tech and game literate DM'd me last night and was like, what's the easiest way for me to play Ocarina of Time right now? And I was like, oh, here's a bunch of silly ways that you have to like jump through to do it. And why, like Nintendo just take the money. Microsoft just realized like, let us just, just, just give us your money and we will give you the best like version of this. Um, yeah. And that's really, it's exciting. And I, and I think it's, it feels like when Netflix first launched, it's a tiny thing and they only have like, I mean, it's not, Microsoft's a large company, but, but it's a, it's a, um, it's a small uh it seems like a small change to go from having your own to go from having other people's DVD collections of old network shows streaming to launching your own series it seems like a very subtle shift but in fact it is it it like changed hollywood forever i feel like we're about to go through that with games and if all games start falling under some like larger studio systems um where you're you've got like these subscription services or cloud subscription services um i mean that just changes that changes basically everything it'll change like the lifestyles of developers it'll change the kind of artists that can get into the industry um it'll change the way you at the end user experience things or the kind of stories that make it to you and i don't know it's just really exciting i think we're in a really exciting period for gaming and i think it's been accelerated by covid19 and obviously <laughs> that's not a good thing but it is you know it, it is well, listen, I, I, I think your enthusiasm is uh, exciting. It's, uh, frankly, it's making me very horny right now. <laughs> uh, it's infectious. Um, no, I think, listen, I think this is, I mean, what's exciting is I do think we're in a, a moment of huge evolution for gaming. I do, I think, I, I will say, I think the next-gen console stuff and maybe this is my view because I'm like now, I now have this great fucking PC that like, I, I it's funny I bought the Xbox and I like the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like well I don't really need it and frankly I may not even keep it but like there's so much going on there's so much interesting stuff going on with the actual game creation and the ideas behind it and there's a bunch of games like stuff that I was looking at that are like uh, uh there's some X Xbox exclusives they're also coming out for PC like this game Lake which seems really interesting. This game, The Last Stop, which seems really interesting. And like, there's just a lot of, I think we have just scratched the surface on the gaming experience and these new, the new, uh, you know, the, the, these, the systems are really just what they are as a stepping stone to new experiences, right? It's like, yeah, ray, ray tracing is awesome, but like someone's going to find a way to use ray tracing for a game that's going to be uh, like a revelation. And I actually had a moment. I was playing um, uh, Cyberpunk the other day and I was like turned around and I saw I was like in a fight with somebody and I saw a reflection of the person I was fighting while I was turned around. I saw a reflection of them like walk across, you know, to the other side of the screen, like behind me. And it was like I was like, oh, I like know where this person went because of the reflection, which is like 
it's a very cool it's a very like real thing that happens right you can like watch a reflection and understand that where that person is in a room that's like not possible has not really been that possible because games didn't accurately represent surfaces that were reflective and now it's like so that's little things like that but even there's gonna be bigger things that let the technology let you do i think delivery and and conception of what when a game begins and ends is another big part of this and like that's going to be you know it's it's a hugely exciting area I mean, I think the combination of of portability, I think the st- like streaming portability, um, sort of play shifting, you know, not having games lasso to huge downloads and huge um, disc, you know, sort of multi disc experiences and stuff like that. We're gonna start to just com- it, people are coming up with really weird and new, interesting experiences, and you know, I'm thrilled. Anyhow, I mean, maybe- I will say it, they they ported over RPG Maker MV. Um, to the Nintendo Switch with a complete new UI. Like, they created an entirely Switch-independent version of RPG Maker. Um, and that is the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. And um, if you've ever... I mean, RPG Maker is interesting as as an app, but it is crazy that a copy exists to make RPGs on the Nintendo Switch. Um, also, if anybody wants to go... Uh, download GB Studio. It is a very, very straightforward, super easy to use um, uh, app that like you can make uh, Game Boy games. Basically, like any genre of Game Boy games, it's like drag and drop. Um, and they run on real Game Boy hardware. And the more stuff like that comes to pass, the more like Pico 8s of the world oh, that there are. Pico-8. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it's a, it's a really exciting time for like this whole genre of art. And I think, like, we've been forced to take some time to, like, think about what it can be and, like, who can do it. And um, it's one of those things that, like, it's it, it reminds me, it, it video games are a little bit, I mean, they're not totally because you do need some startup costs. Like, you need to be able to have a computer and stuff. But they remind me more of books than the movie making industry because anyone can do it, right? Like, anyone right. can sit down and make a thing. It doesn't, you know, not anybody can sit down and have an eight an eight book YA release deal like JK Rowling. Mm. We're not all turfs, but you know, you, you, I'm working on it. You can sit down and write a short story or a book. And like the closer we get to that with games and the more um, games are available everywhere to everyone for an affordable price. Like I, it's just, it means that everything's going to get really good. Um, it's, It's funny. I hate to bring this full circle, but I mean, what we're really talking about is this, this direct, this consumer relationship with creator and the way that we're talking about stocks and these consumers making decisions that have, you know, widespread impact. I do think, you know, you see the the power of removing the middleman, the power and also the danger and the fear of removing the middleman, you know? And I think like that, I mean, one thing about PC gaming that is so exciting, like if you're not, one of the things I think is so eye-opening is that if you're not gaming on a PC, and seeing the wide, just crazy varieties of things you can do and the the multiple stores and multiple types of games and emulation, all this cool stuff that you can do. Like, it's kind of like you see a very narrow window of it when you look at consoles and that window is widening, but yeah. there still isn't there still isn't a good direct. I mean, there are if good. If you're dir- playing on console, someone had to say you're allowed to play this game. Right. That's right. And I think that and I think that there is there's a bigger world out there, and I, I guess, like, I, I think I'm spoiled by the bigger world is exactly what I was kind of getting at. You know, like, 
I think that I'm spoiled by being a PC gamer now, not to be like a gamer dude or whatever. But you know, and so and so with the Xbox and even with the PS5, like I got a PS5 and I played the Miles Morales game and I was like, this is really fucking cool. But like, I immediately went back to gaming on my PC, you know, and I haven't really. I'm playing some stuff, but the funny thing is, like the games I'm playing now on my P- PS5, I'm like, yeah, these are they're PC versions of this, and they're they're ultimately going to look better. Like like there are games that I can frankly you could get from like two years ago that will take advantage of the power of a fully spec pc and like console games don't do that not yet really not natively they don't go like oh you're on a ps5 like let's ratchet up the graphics and stuff like that doesn't happen some games have done it like uh uh days gone which is this like zombie game that was kind of like a weird kind of a miss i think for sony but they've like upgraded it now so it's like 60 fps and the graphics are you know better or improved and it's like it's definitely a better game for it anyhow sorry we should wrap up but the point is gaming very cool everyone should do it <laughs> everyone should do it with their money in the stock market just kidding get your money in GameStop <laughs> and then then get it into a game logically <laughs> um all right well on that note yes do you want to tell me something good so i think my nice thing is and i tweeted about this um I it's really dumb, but it's actually kind of kind of fascinating to me. I there's this company called Song X. I think they're called Song X. They're they were like an Indiegogo project for these earbuds. They're called Song X TWS earbuds. I for whatever reason, I'm assuming I had been drinking or something. I saw them on Instagram or I saw, you know, I was advertised them somewhere, or maybe somebody tweeted about them. This was like probably a year ago trying to think of when this when this campaign actually started let me see um uh i'd have to look through the whole thing anyhow they're these like weird cool looking earbuds and they had like you know pretty decent features and they were cheap they were like 60 dollars for a pair or something very cheap and i was like you know what these are cool looking they seem to have some pretty interesting ideas i'm gonna take a gamble i'm gonna like roll the dice it was literally like a year ago um and i kind of forgot that i ordered them and they had been they had been delayed over and over and over again, and it was like you know classic Indiegogo shit. Like, oh yeah, um, these are never. This is a scam. Like, I just blew my money on this, and they're never going to show up. And then like I got a package in the mail the other day, and there they were. And not only were they like, it's like pretty beautifully packaged, and they're a pretty beautiful product that has a really interesting design, but they sound pretty great, and. They fit my ears, I think, probably better than any. I mean, even like the Galaxy Buds, which I haven't really used that much, but they fit my ears probably better than any earbud I've ever used. And they're like, it's a really solid fit. They don't have they don't have a lot of the bells and whistles that you would like. Like they don't have noise cancellation. They're they're not as waterproof as you probably want. But they're really good and they're like very affordable and they're really attractive and they fit my ears great. And it was a total surprise. Like I was like, what? Oh yeah, these things. And you would imagine they'd suck, right? After something gets delayed and is you're like, well, I don't know who's making this. It's not like some big company. It's some random people on Indiegogo. They actually are beautifully engineered and sound really good. And I think like, I mean, it's kind of a small, nice thing, but I, but because of getting these, I kind of was forced to like play around more and like listen to music and stuff. And I've been listening to music before I go to bed. And I've actually been using uh, this app Headspace, which has a bunch of like, uh, wind down meditation things that I've been using. And I have to say, like, 
it's pretty great. These are pretty great to use it. Like so far, the battery life seems really good. The case design is really cool. It's like a circular case that flips open. So it's like has a ring and then it has this middle part where the earbuds are stored inside and it flips open. It has a magnet that kind of like makes it magnetize closed. It's very, very uh, well thought out and um, and sophisticated. And I was just like, wow, you know? So, you know, I guess, I don't know what my nice thing is. It's like it's either these earbuds or it's like the... It's like either Indiegogo actually can yield some pretty great stuff sometimes, or it's just like it's nice sometimes to uh, receive something in the mail that you forgot you purchased and be pleasantly surprised that it's not a piece of shit and you didn't just throw $60 into the garbage and set it on fire. I call that guy who orders that stuff Santa. <laughs> sometimes it's, things will just come and I'm like, oh, Santa! You're like, yeah. You're like, oh, I was drunk and high and now... I'm ho, ho, ho! This. Yeah. Um, they... Um, they, uh, they, I guess they were like eighty bucks or something. I mean, they're cheap, really. For as good as they are, they're they're really affordable. I don't even know if you can buy them. I don't even know if these are things you can purchase now. It's like it's weird. It's like what happened? These people made these and now they've just disappeared. Yeah, they've sold them in a the, real weird. They've sold them. Landscape. They've sold them to the. They've sold them to the backers, and now they're out of business. They're, they're gone forever. <laughs> no wait, they're on. They're on AliExpress. My God, they're literally on AliExpress. You can buy them for twenty dollars. This is so rude. Oh my God! Really? What is, yes. What is up with this? The world is so fucked. <laughs> it's so it's so weird. It's so weird. It you probably got was drop a, shipped. It probably was an AliExpress product to begin with. Hold on. Yeah, I mean, there's they're literally there's a there's a Reddit called Shitty Kickstarters where they're talking about them. They're like, I think this is a scam. Like seven months ago, people were like, Yeah, this is definitely a scam. And it's like, Well, I received them. You know, kudos. You liked to them when you were living in when you were living in ignorance. You were having a great time. You know, I'm just mad. I just feel like did, did I can't believe they're just on AliExpress. Like, how are you going to like just sell these? I'm selling them for sixty bucks on AliExpress. Maybe this is the brand. It's like we're just going to sell them. This is how we're going to sell them. Yeah, maybe this a, is their new business. They have a cool green pair. It's actually pretty tight. They need to make these with. Um, they need to make them with noise cancellation. Anyhow, all right. What's your nice thing? Um, my nice thing for uh, this week is I've been rewatching. Um, we ran out of TV, so I've been rewatching the show Angel, uh, which is a spinoff of Buffy. And yeah, we're aware of what Angel is. Okay. Well, you know, Tony might not be. Tony's a big Buffy head. All right. Buffy. Well, so we've been watching Angel, and it gets really good. The show gets good, but the first season is like you know they're trying to figure it out. They don't want to be too much like Buffy. They're trying to experiment with some stuff. It doesn't all work. Um, they kill off a main character halfway through the first season. Oh, wow. Um, but I will say what is fun is that I haven't really watched these early episodes of Angel more than a couple times when I was a teenager. And, uh, you know, I would say social justice issues have evolved since the show aired. Um, and it is fun that every monster of the week is either like a touching story about like when you grow up and you know you have to you can't have too many you can't have too many people you hold on a pedestal because people are just people and we all become our mothers and fathers like there'll be like a touching episode it'll be immediately followed by an episode that's like you want an abortion you're a whore and you're like that's the metaphor <laughs> or like oh, one week um angel just 
joined the Nazis, like a neo-Nazi Proud Boys group. With oh he got God. like a Nazi haircut and he dressed up as a Nazi as oh, like wow. part of their theme that week. And like it was like Angel in a Nazi outfit was like teased in the commercial that week. And it's like, oh, we live in a very different world when you could do this. Um, Listen, Angel was experimenting. You know, he was just trying on different personalities. There's whole episodes where you're like, this society has truly transformed in ways I did not remember. You know, but Um, that's the thing. You know, hey, listen, I feel like we've talked about this. You know, people feel like, you know, no progress has been made. But like I was, you know, I was watching the Gilmore Girls and I'm like, this is inappropriate. They're like making like gay jokes and stuff. I'm like, this is fucked up. The Gilmore Girls. okay. so, you know, we've we've made some progress, some minor amount of progress. Wow, maybe I'll have to start watching Angel. Now you're kind of making it sound interesting. Um, the show gets really good, and it is interesting because it's like, you know, Buffy, it had some misses culturally, right? But we all agree what the things teenagers, like how teenagers should mostly tackle their problems, which is like, if a guy's pressuring you, get away from him. Like, I think liberals and conservatives pretty much agree on that. Like, nah, things haven't really. Mm, uh, do well, they, true, do they agree? <laughs> Well, I, I think sirs are like, you should just say yes. <laughs> that's yeah, that's your role. I, at least at the time. And it yeah. was a little less controversial, uh, an issue, I guess, at the time yes, to be like. No, that's correct. There was a time when there was less, <laughs> when it was less like controversial. To say racism is bad. To be like, yeah, no, we don't want to be racist. We don't want to be considered racist. Like, that's, I, I guess we're not, the, the we're answers, trying to not be racist. The answers on Buffy are pretty obvious, right? It's like there's an episode that like this demon is an allegory for racism. And then, they, of course, the characters come to the conclusion that racism is bad and they beat the demon and they they all learn a lesson. And that's Buffy. And that's a really fun, great show. And I'm glad I watched it. Um, Angel, it's like stuff about your 20s. And it's like, should you rent or buy as a metaphor for an episode? And so the answers aren't always good. And sometimes you're like, oh, God, why would you give someone that advice? The world is about to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and it's just funny. And it's it uh, like, it, it's just, it's a time it's a it's a time capsule, and it's a, it's a time capsule of, of a show that I watched when I w- had those opinions for the most part and was living in that world. And I'm looking at it like I had such reverence for the whole Buffyverse and like every episode of Angel. And I look back and I'm like, wow, I've changed too. Huh? Like I don't think neo Nazis are funny themes anymore. <laughs> I think those are like yes. things that are best avoid depicting on screen. No so. laughing matter. And it's fun to watch it with John, who never watched it at the time, and he's like, "You, you, you you're saying the show gets good." I'm like, "It does, it does get good." <laughs> oh um, but Very anyway, sad. that's fun. Um, and of course, nice things for us always have to be buying stuff for TV because we are in a pandemic. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do? We're, we're definitely out of TV at this point. We're oh, like, oh, way. People are watching that Fran Lebowitz documentary, like who would no, never have watched that Fran Lebowitz. Everybody, everybody's like, everybody's like, whatever is on Netflix is the most popular thing it's ever been on Netflix. It's like, yeah, because there's nothing else on Netflix. People to are watch. acting like Bridgerton like did it to them. It's like, no, yeah, there's nothing I, else on TV that day. I don't I haven't seen Bridgerton, so I don't want to diss it, but like I you know, I mean like it's a bodice Queen's, ripper. It's well, a like bodice the, ripper. The Queen's Gambit was like the most popular thing that's ever been on netflix when it was out and it's like yeah like i watched the queen's gambit it's fine it's a great it's no friends it's like it's like it's not i wasn't like this is will live this will live on the 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 the, uh the sopranos the the queen's gambit the queen's yeah it's not it's not it's not the sopranos it's not even Dexter. You know no, what I mean? It's no. like, it, it's fine. It would have been canceled on Showtime back during their era of, remember when Showtime only made shows about women with secrets? 
Yes. Um, what <laughs> would have been channel? canceled? Remember, what was the other channels? Like, was it Cinemax that always had like the action shows? It was like yeah. guys. It was like these military guys have to break people out, and also maybe they're gonna have sex. It's, it's called Seal actual... Buster. Yeah, no, it's like it was like it was like Smash Out, or, or it would be like crush. this show is set in ancient Rome, and they're military guys who've got a smash and crush. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and. And there's sex with real full frontal nudity. Yeah. Those were the days. Those were the days when everybody wasn't doing full frontal. Anyhow, all right, let's wrap up. I got to get out of here. I got to have some lunch or something. I'm very, very hungry and I'm getting cranky. All right, bye. Bye. Well, that is our show this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Though I've just been told that your family has been shorted by a hedge fund. It's not looking good. <laughs>